What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of X Knows All. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. Today is going to be a bit of a different kind of episode. When I first started the show, I was all about exclusively doing solo podcasts. I just wanted to dive right into the meat and potatoes of whatever topic we were discussing, and I rarely had on guests. And of course, as the podcast has evolved and I've gotten more and more busy with work, it's been more difficult to create a solo show and just to give you guys like a bit of visibility into just what a a solo podcast like the amount of effort that it takes to do a solo podcast episode versus one with guests I would say that if you're doing it by yourself it just requires a lot more um a lot more time and energy and preparation that goes into it which is why I've you know luckily and fortunately I have the podcast collective girlies at my fingertips and they're always down to record with me on a moment's notice. I know very rarely when I book guests, it's like way out in advance. But in any case, I've been very fortunate to have guests at my beck and call. But I decided, you know, it's been a while since I've just been on the mic solo between me and wherever, you know, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, if you're listening in the car, if you're listening from the US, if you're listening from the, you know, from a Mia, I just let's just have some a bit of solo time, just just me and you. So today's episode, I'm going to go over several topics. The first, I'm going to just chat about what I've been loving lately. It's going to be a bit more of personal anecdotes, my travels, what things I've been binging, what things I've been reading, etc. Then I'm going to dive into today's topics, which of course is the Raquel and Bethany interview and then Britney Spears' divorce from Sam Ashkari. If you're not a fan of my solo, just ramblings, my personal updates, the travels that I've been going on, feel free to skip ahead. I will have timestamps on the podcast episode description because I know some of you guys are just interested in hearing the gossip and pop culture, which is totally fine. Just go into the podcast description episode notes and you will see where to fast forward to. So things that I have been loving lately, I have been very into several shows, the first of which is Succession. So I know I'm a bit late on the train. People are like, you know, have been obsessing over Succession over the past four or five years or whenever it came out. I'm a late adopter. I recently started subscribing to HBO Max, which if you're not already subscribed, I highly recommend HBO Max. I feel like they have the best shows on there but succession is just the way I I always talk about this on my Instagram but I feel like very rarely is true wealth and affluence depicted on our screens that's not like over the top and frankly just really inaccurate like when I think about wealth on the screens that I used to watch it's like gossip girl right like yeah I'm sure that there are you know, there is a subset of the New York City Upper East Side population that lives like that, but it's not like an accurate portrayal of what true wealth and affluence is. And I feel like Succession just does such a good job of showing what this like crazy family fucked up dynamic is and how you intertwine like family drama and family trauma and old childhood wounds amongst the siblings and like meld it with like the obsession with getting your father's acceptance and like who's going to see the throne and just like addiction and it does such a good job of just like putting in all of my favorite topics into a single show and doing it very well the best way I can describe succession is if you were ever a Mad Men fan I also found like Mad Men similar to, to succession to be very almost like slow. I would say Mad Men is a bit more slow, but the intricacies and the most interesting parts of 
both of these shows is that it's in the subtleties. Things aren't like accurately, like people aren't, you know, biting each other's heads off. Like it's all just very subtle in the way that you're going after people and the way that people are taking revenge. I don't know. It's all just very subtle. And I think that's what makes the show so interesting. Like it's almost like White Lotus too. Like you have to almost take a step back and really understand what the subtle messages that they're baking into the show into the subtleties like for example spoiler alert if you haven't already um watched the show but at the season finale of season two Kendall Roy asks his dad like I want to accede the executive position at Waystar Royco and Logan's like you know I did consider you but you're not a killer like you don't have what it takes basically you need to be a killer and there's all these like biblical references like in the episode before Logan was saying oh we need a sacrificial lamb we need a, like an inside killing there's this Judas kiss that Kendall Roy gives to his father after he tells him that it's not going to be him there's all these biblical references and then of course Kendall Roy comes out at the very end of season two essentially betraying his father but being like that killer that his father wanted and you have this smirk at the very end from Logan Roy it's just oh it's so good I was like there's parts of the show that I'm just like the majority of it you're kind of like what's gonna happen next what's gonna happen next and then they had these moments where you're screaming at the tv like holy shit did that just happen all that to say if you're not already watching Succession I highly recommend it it's four seasons 10 episodes each each episode is under an hour or a little over I wouldn't even necessarily say it's an easy watch. Like it definitely requires your attention and uh, it's not something you can like kind of just brazenly watch as you're like scrolling your phone um, on Instagram, which leads me to my next show that I wanted to talk about. I am so into Real Housewives of Orange County, you guys. Like I feel like that show definitely had its, reckoning's not the correct word. It had its comeuppance during the time when like Brooks cancer scandal and Megan King Edmonds doing the FBI work and finding out like Brooks cancer scans <laughs> and you know when Tamara was running out of the hotel in Bali when Liz said she was like the most insecure woman her, of her life and like you'll never see me again type of thing. But Real Housewives of Orange County it's been in a downward spiral over the past several years I would say when Gina and Emily came on it's when it started to become really bad and I say this all the time but why the fuck am I watching Gina who's on my screen who literally lives in a townhome and Ladera Ranch in South Orange County like why is it that someone that I like I literally could be on the house like why is it that I should not have more money than a housewife do you know what I mean like it's just the air and like her sending for her real estate lights it's just like oh sweetie like we I don't need to see like juxtapose Real Housewives of Orange County with the wealth that you have from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills you cannot compare they are not even on the same franchise like just for those reasons I'm like I can't watch this like and like being from Orange County it's like these are not the women that we want to see it's like frankly they're not even like inspirational as not inspirational aspirational women that you'd want to be it's kind of like low-key the trailer trash of Orange County like Tamara and like Gina like these aren't the people that you aspire to be like like I want to see more Heather Dubrow's but I feel like the people that actually do have wealth in Orange County refuse to be on the show which is why I feel like that's kind of what happened with Real Housewives of New York you know at the beginning it was like legitimately wealthy housewives like Luann was a countess you know Sonia Morgan was you know JP Morgan's ex-wife uh, you had Ramona who actually was legitimately wealthy but then as the season started going on you're like I don't want to see Mary to the mob like in Leah's like little apartment like in any case this season although it is still the trashy 
Housewives of Orange County that we're used to seeing, the drama has taken it up a notch. And dare I say, I am so goddamn happy that Tamara is back on our screens because she is working for that title, working for that orange. She does not give a fuck. She is willing to like pull her friend Jen, this new housewife, under the bus. Like I am loving the dynamic of the new housewife. Obsessed. I like I find myself wanting more. Like this past week, Real Housewives was just they were out for the count. They like didn't air an episode and I found myself like longing for another episode. I'm like, damn, the show is so good. So if you guys aren't already watching it, you don't even need to be familiar with older seasons. Like you could literally start this first episode of the most recent season to be intrigued. It's, it's a great, great watch. I haven't been watching Housewives of Orange County for over the past four or five years and I'm obsessed. And finally... What I want to talk about very quickly is Hijack on Apple TV. If you are not already watching Hijack on Apple TV, what the hell are you doing? If you follow me on Instagram at xnosal, I've been posting nonstop about how if you're not already subscribed to Apple TV Plus, you need to be because the show, the best way I can describe it, it's almost like Liam Neeson's Taken. We are literally on the edge of the seat, on the edge of your seat, and you have no idea what's about to happen next. You're screaming at the TV. There's jaw-dropping moments. And the thing that I love actually about the show, the more subtleties of the show, you know, in the vein of subtleties in shows, is that it actually is like a lot of political and social commentary on like women in society and how like we do all the heavy lifting, how we're always the ones like solving the crime, like how women are always the ones thinking rationally, like not just with our dicks, quite frankly, like we're thinking emotionally, we're thinking strategically and how men are just so like rash in their decision making. It also just has a lot of political commentary, I think very subtle political commentary on when we think of like a hijack on an airplane, we think of just like Arab, Middle Eastern people, but it kind of takes a whole different route. And like, this isn't any kind of a spoiler at all. You'll know within the first 20 minutes of the episode that like who the hijackers are. So I would highly recommend, I think if you have like an iPhone, I guess like I was able to get Apple TV Plus for three months for free. So if you have that, like it's really easy. I don't know how they know, but you can subscribe to Apple TV Plus and you get the first three months free. So if you're, you know, I think it's already, I think it's like $6.99 a month. So again, just forego your latte for a single day and, and watch Hijack. And I watch it at my um, old roommate's house and she was showing me all these shows on Apple TV Plus that she's been really into. They just seem to have like very good shows on that network and I feel like if Hijack were to be on like say Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max, everyone would be talking about it. But the fact that it's streaming on Apple TV Plus and Apple TV is not like a really like world-renowned network as of yet. So to speak, people, not as many people are talking about it, but I truly think this is the best show I think I've ever seen in the past Honestly, I was going to say decade, but probably of my entire life. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It's only seven episodes, and it has you on the edge of your seat. I forced my sister and my sister's best friend to watch it when they were spending the night at my house. They finished the entire series in less than 24 hours. That's how good it is. Okay, so let's move on to my travels. I know that a lot of you guys who follow me on Instagram are very invested because I find myself always... Honestly, I'm just like always traveling and frankly, it's a lot of it was because I was laid off and I had a lot of money for my layoffs. Unfortunately, I've talked about it in previous episodes. I was able to get a job really quickly after I was laid off. Um, so I've had a lot of like reserve monies to be able to travel like amaz- ama- lavishly, honestly, uh, which is, which is great. Uh, I went to Mexico uh, at the end of July for my best friend ML's wedding she is my absolute best, 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 best friend. 
Um, I've talked about her on the show before. She owns a restaurant in Houston called Mitchie's. It's Chinese Puerto Rican fusion food. It's literally the best food ever. We, you know, one of these, the good thing about these kinds of weddings is when I went to Mexico to celebrate her wedding, it was all of my, we had like this girl group, we call ourselves Vito. And we even have like tattoos commemorating this um, girl group that we have. There's five of us and there's, you know, like the, in Roman numerals, it's, there's like that V and then we call each other Vito. So we all have V or the Roman numeral five tattooed on our bodies somewhere. We're all super close and we all live on random parts of the world. Some of us live in Texas. Um, some of us live in California. So we're all kind of dispersed randomly. So it's very rare when you kind of get to get all of us together in one sitting and just hang out, like have it be like old times. So it was honestly like so lovely to be able to see them. We were at an all-inclusive. I made a speech. I made everyone cry, you know, which is always my goal. I've, I never do wedding speeches, guys. The only time I've ever done a wedding speech was for my sister's wedding last year and obviously I'll do it for my sister uh but very rarely will I like voluntarily you know volunteer myself as tribute to do a wedding speech but because this girl is such a close friend of mine I decided to do it and I was so happy I was because I feel like I know her and her husband like the most out of anyone at that wedding like I spent a lot of time with them so it just felt really nice to kind of be a part of their their special day uh the week before I was in Mexico I was in Ojai with bunch of my girlfriends from high school so two of them are moms so it felt like it was kind of like mom's night out if you guys haven't heard of Ohio or are not familiar with it it's really close to Santa Barbara it's a bit more east they have some really good vineyards and like good wine tasting over there but honestly it's just a really small town a lot of celebrities will go there because of the proximity of how close it is um from LA from Orange County it was only like a two and a half three hour drive so it's really easy to get to a lot of celebrities stay at the Ojai Valley Inn me and my friends stayed at the Capri Hotel which is a renovated like 1960s motel that my sister actually would go to all the time and she recommended it but it's basically this fully renovated old motel that they've created into like this mid-century modern art deco type of place it's so beautiful like you walk into the lobby and it's the whole lobby smells of palo santo they have like all these mid-century modern art it honestly looks like you're in a time capsule of say mad men and their pool is just luscious and beautiful there's like just everything about the landscaping the art the renovations it just feels like you are in the 1960s and the, the great the best part about the Capri Hotel that my girlfriends and I enjoyed the most was they have bikes on on uh, the premises so you can rent the bike and you can go just literally less than a mile downtown to all your favorite you know the restaurants or the coffee shops or the wine wineries and we had so much fun just like riding the bikes all weekend long um, and spending time at the pool and shopping and it was just like the perfect getaway so if you're in need of like just a really chill girls weekend I highly recommend staying at the Capri Hotel in Ojai you can go vintage shopping you can go wine tasting you can lay by the pool you can read it was honestly just exactly what we needed and for my girlfriends that are recent moms too it was like the perfect getaway from them because it's like we weren't going out we weren't partying one of the nights we did go out to like the local bar and it was funny there was like a high school reunion going on so we started talking to all these like older people it was like a 30 or 40 year high school reunion 
it's just such a small town where everyone like kind of knows each other so we just kind of bopped on in uh to this one bar where the high school reunion was happening then we went to the bar next door and there was like live music and it was just such a small town quaint feeling so definitely definitely recommend that lastly last weekend okay this is like low-key one of the bougiest days and I'm like so proud that I actually <laughs> like organize this so I used to work in public accounting and I had two managers um we were on the same audit team and one of the girls that used to be my manager she just actually promoted to partner which is like what the hell like how do I even like it's just so crazy I've seen her career grow over the past like six seven years and now she's a partner um at EY which is incredible so I was texting with her and my other old manager and I was like you know we should do something to celebrate you know Steph's promotion to partner and they both live in the Bay Area. And I was like, how about we do this? I'll just like fly up to San Francisco, like see a couple of my old friends and we can do a spa day. One of them is like also a new mom. So she's like, I can't like commit to a full like spending the night day, but we can commit to like a day trip. So of course being like, when I reported into them when I was working at EY, I was like the senior. So I was always doing like, I was always doing the work and they would just review it. So I was like, we all just naturally take our own path. Our, our our old paths of like what we were when we were on the same audit team like I planned basically the entire weekend and I was totally fine doing so because something about me I just love to plan everything like because I know I can just trust myself and booking the best accommodations doing going to the best places like I don't know I just pride myself on being able to like organize a really nice bougie trip honestly so my friend bought a house in Marin. So we all met at her house in Marin. I got us like a black car to pick us up to go to the inn. Um, sorry, no, it's called the Lodge at Sonoma. Stunning. It's a Marriott, like auberge resort collection resort. And we each did, I got the aromatherapy massage and my friends got the citrine massages, which is like a, like an orange citrus type massage. I don't know, but it was lovely. So the black car picks us up. We get dropped off at the lodge. We each go into our respective massages. We leave. It was like the massage was amazing. The premises were lovely. So many people were DMing me. We're like, where are you? Like, it's so beautiful. It's like literally the lodge at Sonoma. And it was like a normal price. It wasn't like insanely expensive. It was like any normal massage. I think it was about like one, I don't know, 180, um, excluding tip. And then we went and got lunch at the restaurant on premises. It's actually a Michelin restaurant. It's called Wit and Wisdom, located in Sonoma. Incredible food. We got like the brunch. So it was like a $44 prefix menu. We got a bottle of rosé. Uh, we each got like a appetizer. And then we each got like sandwiches and burgers. And oh my God, it was so delicious. And then of course we were like literally like had to be rolled out of the restaurant because we had eaten so much. And then we went to the spa. There was like a private pool behind the spa. So we literally just chilled and hung out by the spa and just like chatted, you know, girl talk, you know, me being super nosy and like, so how much does a partner make? You know, like I just, I love to be super invasive and like ask all these questions. My friend is super cool. She was like, oh yeah, we, this is how much, like, I just love asking the more invasive questions. <laughs> And I'm so happy I now have a friend who's now at the top. You know, I can ask all these invasive questions. But um, anyways, it was lovely time. The same guy, black car, picked us up, went right back uh, to my friend's house, dropped us off. And then I spent time with um, my my old roommate, Golzar. I spent time with her family um, as well. And I got dinner with like a bunch of my girlfriends, the same friend who um, had her wedding at the Soho house in London. I met up with her and a bunch of girlies that I met at the wedding and we all had dinner in, in the city. So it was just overall like such a lovely, a lovely weekend. And I always feel like 
when I go back up to the bay, I just feel like, oh man, like this is, this is the life I used to live, you know? And it's, but what I will say about like just traveling now, it, it feels so much more grounding to come back home to like, even though I do live in the suburbs and like where I live is very quiet. Like I just really value the quietness that my life has turned into. And I was even talking to my therapist about it and she's like, you're just so much more happier. Like I think on my day to day, yes, my life is very boring. And I find that the reason I, I get so much joy in traveling so much is because I just, my day to day is just boring and it's relaxing and it's not a lot of partying or anything going out. I'm just chilling. I work, I watch TV, I read, I make my coffee, I do my facials. Like I just, I don't know, everything is, my day-to-day is just such an average day. So I find that when I go and travel, I can really kind of live out the things I would do if I weren't living in the boring suburbs. Like everyone's always saying to me like, oh, you're always traveling. It's like, well, you have to understand like my day-to-day is very boring. I rarely spend money. I'm just really chilling at home and doing my normal boring routine. So it just feels like when I'm actually out and about and doing things, I can thankfully afford to do a bit more of like fun stuff because I'm not doing that much when I'm at home so all that to say it's been a lot of traveling a lot of you know seeing all my friends and it's just been you know my soul has been very like warmed up from all this um the next trip I'm going on is next weekend I'm going to be in Santa Barbara for uh, a friend of mine from college he's getting married and I'm just so excited because that'll just be like a college, a full college reunion. It's going to be local. It's in, you know, it's in Santa Barbara. So just a couple hours drive from my house. So, uh, you know, getting together with a lot of my college friends. So look forward to that content on my Instagram coming soon. And without further ado, let's just get right into the trending topic, shall we? Let's start with the Raquel and Bethany interview. I listened to the three-part podcast interview, so you didn't have to. (laughs) I will say, I I thoroughly enjoyed listening to it, though, because it was just so interesting to hear the fucking delusion of Raquel, and frankly, Bethany as well. Let me me start with Raquel first. Now, there's been a lot of information I've since gathered since I've started writing down these notes, but let me just assume that, let me just start off with saying that if Raquel had any fucking business acumen and knew what was good for her, she would demand a higher salary and have like, whether it's her or some business manager or her, her manager help negotiate that salary for her. And I would even like, what she said basically in the interview was that she demanded to get paid as much as Tom and Ariana. And essentially NBC Universal couldn't come down. They said, no, sorry, you cannot get paid as much as these um, seasoned cast members. This is your salary, take it or leave it. Whether or not that actually happened, I have a hard time believing it quite quite honestly. The reason for that is if you think about, and Ryan Bailey actually brought this up on his podcast, if you think about the amount of money that Bravo has now received because of Scandal, it's astronomical. Bethany even said on her show, even though she didn't even do the research before, she's like, the amount of viewership that Scandal and Vanderpump Rules got towards the end of the season was like unprecedented number. She's like, even in our heyday, we never got even a fraction of that viewership. I think she said that Vanderpump Rules, the viewership was like 11 million by the end of, of season 10. And she said, even like in our heyday of, of Real Housewives of New York, I think she was like, we were at, I, I don't remember the exact number, but she was like, it was like 4 million. And that was like, heyday Roni. I have a lot of difficulty. Well, no, sorry, to break it back. Ryan Bailey was like, if you think about it, the ads alone that Vanderpump Rules and Bravo and NBC Universal was able to acquire because of the viewership was astronomical. They had you know, Duracell, they had Uber Eats, they had, 
Clorox, like big heavy hitters, like the biggest advertisers that you could ever get on a show, like literally Super Bowl type ads they were able to get. Whereas before it was like nothing even close to big brands like that. If you think about it proportionally, right? And I'm not in the business of advertising or how it really works, but I think just strictly from like a financial perspective, if you are acquiring, let's just say I'm putting out like ad hoc numbers. If you're acquiring, let's say $20 million in ad revenue before Scandable, and then all of a sudden you're getting these heavy hitters like Uber Eats, Clorox, Duracell on your on your ad list. Let's just say, let's assume worst case scenario, your ad revenue increases by like threefold. That means you have the funds, the liquidity to be able to give Raquel Levis her salary to acquire an even bigger viewership come season 11. Like if you think about it, this is what I think about from like a corporate perspective, right? When you think about layoffs, tech companies are seeing it rampantly right now, right? Everyone is getting laid off in the tech industry. And the reason for that is because salaries are are fixed costs that can easily be taken away to improve your bottom line. Like that's the easiest thing. And if you think about it, the thing that is the biggest chunk of people's salary, say in a corporate setting, is not like your base salary. So let's just say Joe Schmo gets paid $100,000. That's his base salary, right? But that doesn't include the benefits that you are paying Joe Schmo, like his 401k, his medical benefits, things like that. That is actually the most expensive part of someone's salary. It's not their base of 100k. It's all the health and insurance and um, retirement benefits that you're giving these people. Reality stars, as far as I know, and which is the whole point of Bethany even raising this whole awareness towards like reality stars should be unionizing. These reality stars, to my knowledge, do not even get these benefits that are the biggest chunk. They don't get health benefits. They don't get retirement benefits. They don't get any type of benefits that is the biggest chunk of their salary. So if you're just thinking about fixed costs for a network, so if you're paying the talent, let's just assume that, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's just assume Tom and Ariana are getting paid $700,000 an episode. And Raquel is demanding, I want to get paid $700,000 an episode. But if you proportionally take take a step back and think about all the additional ad revenue they would acquire from just getting Raquel on the show, that salary of $700,000 is peanuts for the network. So I just really don't buy. And again, they're not getting paid the biggest cost of a salary, which is benefits and health insurance. So why is it that big of a deal for them to... Like, I don't understand why monetarily, financially speaking, it would make sense for them to turn down Raquel's what she's trying to bargain for, what she's trying to negotiate. Because $700,000 in the grander scheme of things is, is nothing for this network, especially because they're not paying benefits. So Raquel's whole thing was like, I need to take a step back for my mental health. I don't want to film anymore because it's detrimental to like, to me, which I, to an extent I do understand. But I think if she knew what was good for her, she would one, bring the heavy hitter, like a, like I said, a very uh, esteemed, very shrewd business manager to help negotiate these salaries for her. Like I, if I were her, I would bring in the most shrewd, finessed business finance manager in the game and be like, I will sign today if you allow me to get $700,000 per episode. I will literally start filming right now. Like that's how good negotiations work in a corporate setting. Like if you tell, if people are desperate for you, if a company is like, they're, they're lean on their workforce and they're like, we need 
uh, we need a sales rep in here. Like we're dying. You, if you come in as a sales rep and say, I will sign right now if you give me $100,000 and a $20,000 bonus or whatever. I'm willing to bet that they will sign today if they're that desperate. To me, it seems like Vanderpump Rules is, was very desperate to bring Raquel back on the show because what does that mean? Better ratings, better ad revenue, more money in NBC, Bravo, Universal's pockets and Andy Cohen's pockets. She should have just said to them, give me $700,000. Actually, if I were her, I would demand even more than Tom and, uh, Tom and Ariana. I would be like, listen, I am the bread and butter of the show. I am the reason the show that did so well this past season. You give me a million dollars an episode or I, and I will walk into that set literally right now. Because, she, because she's such a fucking moron. She was like, oh, they wouldn't be able to come down. So I like didn't sign. And it's like, A, you didn't try hard enough. Because I know if you had the best negotiators, you probably would have been able to get a higher salary. And B, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting so worked up that I'm losing my train of thought right now. And B, the last thing that all of America, frankly, the entire world is seeing you, the, the whole last image that everyone has of you is being a homewrecking whore and literally having a horrible edit. Like no one was on your side on the last episode. No one was on your side on the reunion. If I were her, I would come back either literally letting them pummel me to the ground Mental health aside, I'll be like, if it means the more money I get, the better. I will walk away from this scot-free. No one will ever see me again as long as I can invest that money well. Like, I will just basically, short-term pain, being on the season for one additional season, if it means leaving out with big bucks. And then you will never hear from me again. But the last image that everyone has that's a viewer of Bravo is that she's a homewrecking whore that she, like, probably more likely than not is mentally ill she might have like some kind of mental disability people have a lot of speculation that she may be on the spectrum whatever if I were her I would come back either one letting them pummel me to the ground mental health I don't give a fuck like you can just do whatever you want for me I will take it and just make it seem like I am this little you know this innocent flower that made a mistake and was essentially manipulated and contrived through Tom's narcissistic tendencies or I'll come back heavy hitting, be the ultimate villain and leaning in to that narrative that everyone has already set up for me. Do one or the other. But now at this point, she's already left us thinking she's one, literally dumb as dirt, which we already kind of assumed and agreed that she was. B, she gets off on sleeping with essentially a married man and the dopamine that gets hit to her brain is brought out by sleeping with unavailable men. And someone who's like literally on the spectrum or you come back just like completely proving us wrong. Like I just think she is playing this entirely wrong. I would have demanded a higher salary and I would have either leaned into being the villain character that everyone already thinks of me or I would have just allowed everyone to just see me as a delicate flower that was put under the guise and mentorship and insanity that is Tom Sandoval. What was interesting to me was where she went for her mental health, you know, me just being a super insane person with celebrities. I already know Selena Gomez went to the Meadows in Arizona when she was going through her breakdown back in like 2018. And interestingly enough, I know someone that I used to work with who sent their child to the Meadows. Like it's a very, very, very expensive treatment facility. Like, I mean, if you have the likes of Selena Gomez and the person that I know who sent their child to the Meadows, she, this person's like very um, wealthy. It's expensive. 
So I'm just, and she said that Bravo wouldn't pay for the mental health facility. She even asked and they said, no, we're not going to reimburse you. So if she, if she's getting, if she got paid $350,000, I'm certain that all of that money went into her treatment. I'm certain of it. So basically she probably legitimately is broke if she invested all that money to be at like a grade A top notch health, mental health facility. She probably put all of her earnings from Vanderpump Rules into that treatment facility. So she's probably broke. So it would be in her best interest to get back on that show and fucking give us what we wanted. I think the last part of it that I had extreme qualms about was her discussion over Graham, the dog. We all found her to be a villain, but I think everyone hated her even more when we found out a couple weeks ago that Graham was now living with James. And the story that was played out in the media was that Raquel's mom, well, Swan, Graham had a biting problem historically. And Graham, her golden doodle, bit her mom down to the literal bone. So they realized that, okay, this dog is actually like a risk to humans. And the alternative is to essentially get a euthanized. And Raquel on the interview claimed that, well, the alternative was to euthanize him and we didn't want that. So I needed to get the dog rehomed. But then she goes back and says, my dog Graham had a history of biting. And I think it's very irresponsible for the dog to now be with James because James was the one that encouraged the biting. She basically put all the blame on Graham's violent history on James. And whether or not her allegations against James about encouraging Graham to bite his hand and all that are true, whether or not that is true, Graham was Raquel's dog. I don't give a fuck if your boyfriend was living with you and he encouraged certain behavior. As that dog's owner, it is your responsibility. It's like quite literally the dog's life depends on it. Because again, like we all seen it with Lucy, Lucy, Apple Juicy, with dogs that have biting problems, they will get euthanized if that's what starts to happen. So it is your responsibility as a dog parent to ensure that your dog gets the appropriate care and training to ensure that it doesn't attack people. So I just, I hated the fact that she actually started doubling down on the biting thing and just putting it on James. It's like, no, 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 whether or not that is true, it doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck if James used to actually encourage biting from Grant. You as a dog owner are responsible ultimately for it to stop biting. And based on the conversations that I've learned from like other interviews, it seems like Raquel never disciplined the dog. She never sent it to like doggy daycare. She never, sorry, to like doggy boot, boot camp, any obedience training. She just let this dog run rampant and have a severe history with biting. So it's like, no, no, no. Whether or not this dog did bite or not, you're responsible for that. You've had it. It's not like this dog was a rescue dog. She's had the dog since it was an, since it was a puppy. TBT did the puppy party that Saucy never attended. It is her job. So it's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, okay, yeah, the, the dog bit your mom. That's horrible. Let's say that is in fact true. Doesn't matter. Like you're ultimately to blame for that. I think that her having just no sign of remorse in that interview, like the fact that she was still st- a stone cold bitch about it, just being like, yeah, the dog bit my mom to the bone. So we had to figure out another alternative option. We took it to a rescue that, and it ultimately ended up at Vanderpump Dogs. The dog was microchipped and Lisa Vanderpump thought it was the best decision to give it to Graham. And I don't agree with that because Graham's the one, I mean, to give it to James because James is the one that, you know, is the reason Graham has a biting problem to begin with. It's like Raquel, take one ounce of accountability. This is, this is, the the thing is, this is her game. This is her MO. She refuses to take accountability in anything. And that's what I kept hearing when I was watching the three-part interview, 90% of it, which was fucking ad ad ridden 
she continues to not take blame. She says, oh, me and Ariana aren't, weren't even that close. Oh, me and Ariana were just acquaintances. Oh, me and Ariana, we filmed, uh, we hung out together in filming situations and group situations, but we never hung out one-on-one. Doesn't matter. I have plenty of friends that I rarely hang out with on a one-on-one basis that I would still consider good friends. Doesn't mean that I can cognitive dissonance myself to sleep with her man. This girl, she has serious problems. Like, and the thing that really pisses me off is she thinks that just because she came out of a three-month facility, three-month mental health treatment center, that all of a sudden she is an, the anointed one. And she has all the answers. It's like, no, no, no. You clearly, three months is nothing. Do you know how much intensive therapy I had to go through when I was like all fucked up a couple years ago? It takes years. Like, and the fact that she can't even have the self-awareness to pluck herself out of it and be like, oh, you know, I'm still a work in progress and I'm three months into recovery, but there's still a lot of work I need to do. She made it seem like she was all of a sudden just, just because she came out of this mental health facility that she all of a sudden has all the answers and she's the one who has clarity. It's like, no, no, no. The fact that you have no self-awareness to even realize that there's so much more work that needs to be done outside of just intensive therapy for three months, you're a fucking idiot. Okay. Now I'm off my high horse for Kel. Let's talk about Bethany. The thing with Bethany that I actually feel dare I say badly for her, as I actually think Bethany has incredible points. But I think all of her points and what she's trying to do for the reality talent to begin with is being muddled with all these stupid fucking interviews that she's hosting with Raquel. So if you're not really familiar with like what Bethany's been fighting for over the past couple of months, is I looked it up on Variety and this is what they said. They said, Bethany Frankel says reality stars should take a page out of the SAG and WGA strikes and unionize. Bethany says she believes reality stars should be earning residual-like payments when their series becomes hits and they're replayed by network and streamers across multiple platforms. And she even brought this up in the Raquel interview. She says, you know, your discretions, your bad behavior and the scandal of it all will now be on Hulu for the rest of time, will now be on Peacock for the rest of time. People could watch this a decade later and see your indiscretions and look up where you are today and basically you will see not a cent of that. Your likeness... The drama that you created to earn these people up at the top, these executives, the NBC Universal, they'll forever profit on this. It's like when, um, you know, a lot of stars today will say, you know, all my shows, like, I think Josh Peck was saying this about Drake and Josh. She's like, you know, my show is still streamed and I still see nothing. No residual payments. Mandy Moore said all of her profits from This Is a Us, she saw only sons. And people gave Mandy Moore a lot of shit for her. They're like, you're a celebrity. You're rich. It's like, yeah, you guys are missing the point. Like, yes, Mandy Moore is not struggling because she doesn't get residuals from This Is Us. It doesn't mean that it's still not wrong. And let's think about all the people below Mandy Moore, right? The people on camera, the people that are just on the crew, the people that are on set design, wardrobe design. They're not seeing jack shit. And they're probably getting paid literally like a one thousandth of what Mandy Moore gets. And if Mandy Moore's only getting a couple cents for that this is us residuals, what are they getting? That's the point. What why this is why these actors are actors are standing together and helping and like standing with the union because they realize that like, yeah, we're fine. What about the people below us? That's the point. So I fully agree with what Bethany's saying. I think that reality stars should be earning residual payments, especially when their likeness is still being reviewed and watched and enjoyed years and years later we get the sentiment right so bethany believes that studios and streamers are taking advantage of people who sign on for reality shows because more often than not again this is also quoted from Bridie. these reality stars are so eager at a shot at fame that they're not really thinking 
or more likely they're not like really knowledgeable enough about what the future earnings could be if their show and does indeed take off. Reality show, show uh, stars like Stassi and Tom, like the OG people of Vanderpump Rules, like they didn't know what the fuck this show was going to be literally a decade ago. And now look at where it is. But Stassi will not see, receive a cent of it. So what Bethany's saying is reality contracts do not include residuals, but they allow studios and streamers to earn a cut of any profit a star makes with deals after they sign after appearing on a show. So I think she even talked about it. She said it's the Bethany Clause. She said that if you guys are familiar with the earlier episodes of Real Housewives of New York, she branded and marketed Skinny Girl through the show. She was able to attain a lot of success and monetary gain out of her skinny girl brand because so many viewers watched it play out on television were were intrigued and therefore bought all the skinny girl products after bravo saw that they're like wait a minute if we're gonna allow these reality star talents to display their businesses their likeness their goodwill on our show then we deserve a cut of that so now moving forward after the skinny girl of it all happened after bethany gained all this wealth they have clauses in all these reality star contracts that if you decide to post your business on our show, we get a we get a cut of those profits. So for example, like Tamara has her Vena CBD or Rena has her Rena Beauty. If you have these businesses, whatever profits you make, Bravo or NBC Universal gets a cut off of that. That's what Bethany was saying is the Bethany clause. So she's saying just because you can exploit young, doe-eyed talent desperate for the platform that reality TV gives them doesn't mean you should. And it kind of goes into like, if you think about just the entertainment industry in general, right? That's what Taylor Swift and the Scooter Braun of it all. When you're young, you don't know what you're getting yourselves into. You're just a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed young talent that's just wanting to get a shot of it in the world. And I, and I get, like, why these things happen, right? This is just money. The executives at the top just want to make money. So they see someone like Taylor Swift or, like, for instance, JoJo, who signed a contract when she was, like, 13 years old, had no idea what the fuck she was signing, but she was just happy to be in the same room as these executives – and they basically blackballed her from creating music for like over a decade because of the type of contract that she signed. You don't know what you're signing. You're just ready to be there. You're just ready to start filming. You're ready to start gaining followers. You're ready to start making those sponsorship deals. I think Bethany has a point in everything that she is saying. Reality stars should earn a cut of these profits from all these streaming platforms that are still streaming all their shows till the end of time, but they're not. But I think what Bethany's doing wrong and she needs some kind of like pivot in the way that she's messaging it. It's never like the content of what she's saying. I think if you really took a step back, you would agree with what Bethany's saying. It's more of just how she's delivering it. And it's almost like she's using Rachel Raquel as like an exemplification of why this is wrong. But it's like you could literally do and do so much more with what it is with the message that you're trying to convey and not bring on like the most hated villain who then doubles down on her indiscretions on the show like it's just I feel like her message is that which I believe is actually a good message is just getting lost lost in the sauce let me know what you guys think like what do you think Bethany's approaches to reality stars earning you know off of these residual payments do you think that they should or should not unionize I'm really curious to hear what what you have to say okay finally Britney's divorce with Sam Oshkari. Oh, you guys, we all knew this was coming, right? And there's part of me that was hoping that Sam wasn't going to be a piece of shit, but now we're all seeing it. He's just as much of a piece of shit as we all initially thought, which is so sad. I 
I'm seeing now on TMZ that there was all these things that Britney was physically abusive to him. Like Sam woke up and Britney was punching him in the face when he slept. She was abusive to him, whatever. I'm hearing from like Dumois that everything that's coming out from TMZ is a direct output from the conservatorship team. Whether or not they're basically admitting that Sam was part of the conservatorship from day one, I don't know. I'm not close enough to the situation, nor do I even want to speak on it because I know how crazy these Britney stands are. But I think what's happening, what we're seeing play out in the media and on tabloids is sounds like it's coming primarily from Sam's team. And then we have Britney who's coming to Instagram talking about horses and talking about how it didn't work out and how she's trying to come to peace with everything and all that. I think the one thing I can say, I think I'm not close enough to the Britney situation to really have too much of a hard based opinion, one thing or another. I think we can all agree that Britney, her life has just turned out very tragically. And I think that she, it's almost like we're scared to say it at this point. Like we're scared to say that the conservatorship may have been to an extent maybe beneficial for her. I'm not saying to the extent of like them barring her from like basic human rights. I'm saying from the extent of like her not being able to take care of herself appropriately. Like conservatorships are often, I have an episode on this too. Like conservatorships are often created for people that cannot help themselves. Like they're not able to even pay bills. I doubt Britney Spears even knows how to pay a bill. I mean, why would she know, right? Like she probably doesn't understand how to do basic human things that we all have to do because we've had to grow into adulthood. I think we're all scared to say that Brittany is not well and that maybe some kind of barriers or some kind of structure in her life would be beneficial for her well-being. I don't know who's still in her corner. If Sam was in her corner and he intended well, now that he's out, what does that mean for, for Brittany? Who's going to take care of her? Who's going to help her pay her bills? Who's going to help her take care of her finances? Her sons don't want anything to do with it. They've made that clear with the tabloids and them moving to Hawaii. They want nothing to do with her right now. And I think, can we all just take a step back as a society and just agree on the fact that she needs some help and that she is not well? And I don't think that's a hot take. Again, we're all just fucking scared to say it. But like when I look at her Instagram, I don't necessarily blame her sons for wanting to kind of dissociate with her. Imagine being a 17-year-old high schooler and seeing your mom twirling around on Instagram half naked. It's just not normal. I don't want to get canceled for this, but I just, this is how I feel. (laughs) I just, we can all agree she's just, something is afoot and we're all scared to say it out loud. Here I am saying it. Something is wrong and I hope with Sam out of the picture, she has someone in her corner to help her on her day-to-day, on her way to just navigate life. I genuinely hope that for her. I know this is a really quick thing on Britney. I just, I don't want to get canceled. I heard Jesse Chambliss on his show about how crazy that Britney Sands came after him. And like, I'm not trying to get down that rabbit hole, but I, it needs to be said, okay? It just needs to be said. In any case, thank you guys so much for joining me on today's episode of X Knows All. I know it's been a while and I hope you guys enjoyed these trending topics and my just like rambling and riffing and talking to myself in the void. But um, let me know what you want to hear more of. If you guys... Love the show. Please leave a review. I really love reading the reviews. And if they're mean, just like write it in your journal and don't tell me. Also, feel free to, you know, follow me on X Knows All on Instagram. It's X, just the letter knows all. Write me a DM. I respond in each and every single one of your DMs. I love connecting with you guys. 
um, until the next one. Hopefully it'll come soon. If not, um, yeah, just keep up with me on Instagram. I swear I'm unhinged and fun over there. Love you guys. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,